Hey, this is Dan, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast where I talk legal stuff with lawyers that I know, like, and trust. I hope you find the information really useful, and if you need legal help, that you reach out to one of these lawyers directly or drop by lawbydan.com, and I can steer you in the right direction. Here is your podcast. Family law, particularly when it comes to property settlements, can be very complex. It also takes on a new dimension of complexity when there is a business in the property pool. Consequently, questions are often asked as to how a business is valued in that context. Well, today I'm with Claire McCormack. Claire is a principal at South Galdard Lawyers and an accredited family law specialist. Claire, is it true to say that the complexity goes to a new level in family law matters when there is a business involved? Hi, Dan. Um, yeah, look, I think that, that that can be true in many cases that we see. Obviously, in every case is different and the court deals with every case um, on their individual circumstances. But certainly, it's just an additional ground that um, parties can have disputes about in terms of you know, the business valuation and, and the methodologies around that. So uh, in the case uh, of a person that actually does have a business and they're undergoing separation, then obviously their first question is, is, you know, I operate a business, will this be included in the property settlement calculations? Look, I guess the simple answer to that question is yes. Um, whether you operate a business as a sole trader or a uh, in a partnership or as a company or a trust, your business operations will be included in the asset pool that the court's looking at when they're determining what property settlement uh, to make. So, in the process of determining what is a just and equitable or fair division of the property pool, that's often the first step is identifying and valuing the assets, the liabilities and financial resources and identifying and valuing the business will be part of that. Now, how does the business get valued in that context? So, Dan, there's a couple of different approaches. Occasionally, parties will agree on a value of a business for the purposes of their negotiations and settlement. However, if you're going to go down that path, my advice to clients is if you're not going to get a formal valuation, you should at least have had a discussion with your accountant who's looked over the figures and provided advice to ensure that the figure that you're agreeing to is reasonable and that you're not doing yourself a disservice. So, um, the approach of agreeing to a value can be risky, particularly for those who aren't business savvy, as businesses can be much more than just the value of their assets on their own and the debts that they owe. So, making assessments, for example, about the value of goodwill in a business is not something that most owners are generally in a position to determine. So, what's valuable to me is different from what's valuable to you. Ultimately, the preferred approach, in my view, depending on the value of the business in general terms, is to get an independent forensic accountant to conduct what we call a joint valuation of the business, and that person is engaged by both parties jointly, and um, that accountant then will determine the method of the valuation, and that will ultimately, in my experience, depend on the type of business. So, there's a couple of different methodologies that are accepted by the family court. Um, one of those is, for example, the capitalization of your future maintainable earnings. Um, another methodology is um, evaluation based on your net asset backing basis, so valuing assets and liabilities, um, net present value of future earnings, and also value to owner method. So, um, there's, there's those different methods and 
what the forensic accountant picks as the method to use will depend on their assessment of the nature of the business. So in my experience, you might have a business that has a significant income stream, but it owns very little in terms of capital assets. So in that instance, the capitalization of your future maintainable earnings might be the most appropriate versus a company where you might have assets of significant value um, and that's greater than your income stream might be and therefore the net asset backing basis methodology might be the most appropriate for that kind of business. So once the independent valuer is chosen, they'll determine the appropriate valuation method and um, they'll usually meet with the business owners and pour over the financial reports as well as interviewing all the important uh, employees of the company in some cases and as well as doing some industry research um, to determine their valuation. So for people listening to this podcast and they have got a business and they're separated uh, or whatever the case might be, what's the first step for them? I think the first step is come and get some special specialist family law advice before you commission any valuations. I certainly think that you shouldn't commission a valuation on your own without engaging the other party in that because you run the risk then of them um, saying that they don't accept your valuation and then you've gone to the cost and expense of going ahead and doing that and you might not be able to rely on it. So I think coming and getting some specialist advice first and you want to make sure that ultimately the, the valuer that's instructed is independent and avoid any allegations of bias or double up on fees and charges and things like that. Claire, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find me on all social channels, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube with the handle Law by Dan or simply drop by lawbydan.com. Thanks.